Hey there folks, it's your DM Lucas, and I just thought I'd catch you first and introduce myself. I am proud to present to you the Ballad of the Seven Dice, The Chosen Few. The Chosen Few is a campaign that I've been working on for a few years, and it wasn't until about a year ago that I realized I wanted to turn this into an audio drama. In this campaign, we will have four players, each will be playing a character from a different world, a different timeline, and they'll be dragged into the Forgotten Realms in order to help stop some greater evil from threatening to unravel existence itself. We will be starting off with the first of four prologues. Each character will have their own individual adventure leading into the campaign itself. They came up with their own backstories, their own settings, and imaginings on how the society would work. All I had to do was pry out the fine details. The first of these four stories that we'll introduce is Borodon, the Dwarven Cleric. So let me proudly present to you the Ballad of the Seven Dice's game, The Chosen Few. Ah, greetings, Traveler. Welcome to the Inn of the Seven Dice. I'm guessing you're here for the story. That new bard's in the back, he's just setting up stuff. Chairs are in the back. The waitress will be there with you in just a few moments. Hello, travelers, and welcome. I, Wing of a Gimble, famous gnome bard, am pleased to present to you the Ballad of the Chosen Few. Yes, yes, I know, many of you have seen the flyers, and you saw that this tale had been ripped from all our minds, and you felt a pull, a pull to hear this story. I, Wing of a Gimble, famous gnome bard, have thankfully kept the memories in my steel locker of a mind. This is probably because... Well, we'll not get into that. Our first tale shall be about the dwarven cleric Borodon, a prince of his world, always trying to keep a level head and keep his friends close and his enemies far, far away. But unfortunately, fate had other things in mind for him. Please, join me as I spin you this tale of Borodon. Borodon the Dwarf Cleric hails from the royal family of Mons Regnum, a wealthy dwarven kingdom that sits atop the largest veins of precious metals known in their world. Borodon is thirdborn, his older brother Galadin is heir to the throne, and his older sister Hilda has wed to the cave dwarf royals to the west in an attempt to strengthen relations between the two countries. His younger sister Yolanda has decided to take on knighthood as her aspiration and become a high-standing member of the Boar Knights that defend their city. Being the second son, it is custom that they join faith and take on the teachings to be their sibling's trusted royal advisor. After a sudden strange illness took his father's life, the royal line has advanced now and it is time for Borodon and his siblings to take their place as rulers and defenders of the realm. Tensions rising from the neighboring kingdom of Drathgard and this strange illness causing unease, Borodon and his siblings face a path that is set against them. So, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little about Borodon. Okay, my name is Berto, and it's usually pronounced Umberto, Portuguese. I've been playing D&D since I was maybe eight, when my father first introduced me to it. He actually bought the first uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like the big box. I still have it uh, back home. It's all like oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's all old and mushy, but I still have it. Like, and it's interesting because instead of you actually having like a character sheet, 
you had cards and treasures were cards as well. It was an interesting way to have people start playing it fast. Yeah, that's really cool. Right? And it had everything. You had like a, a tabletop, like you had the dungeon thing. You had a bunch of small figurines. Uh, they were like paper figurines, but still, it, it was like quite cool. I, I have like fond mem memories of those, like my father being the DM and both me and one of my best friends, Peter, used it to play a lot. Like there was this, I think he was a paladin, he, mm -hmm. his name was... Mikhail or something, and uh, there was also a cleric called Nolan. I'm quite sure they are characters from Forgotten Realms. That's just like a... that's how I started. Uh, no, that's really cool. I don't think I've heard about that. Talking about Warden, it is, of course, it is a character in this adventure, but it is also a nickname that I've been using for the past 14 years or something. We all got that username that we've been using forever. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's interesting because it is to be part of a forum, like an anime forum. Yeah. And people, they don't call me by my name. They call me Borden. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, even now, I mean, because I've been friends with them for, like, forever, and uh, they barely call me by my name, you know? Yeah. But the character for this adventure, Borden, he's a dwarf. He's a, actually like a dwarven cleric. He has a kind heart, but he has to uphold the kingdom's interest on top of his own heart. And uh, sometimes that's not very easy for him. He usually uses hammers because he doesn't think that bleeding people is the right thing to do. Seems like smashing and crushing their bones, it's fine, but be bleeding people to death, uh, cutting their limbs, is not. He draws a line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a line in blood, but a line nonetheless. He's very wise. He has uh, insight. He picked two skills. So one is persuasion. So not only an advisor, he also needs to have the king see as like what he's seeing, like his point of view, but not in an evil, deceiving manner. Yeah, you're advising, not manipulating. Exactly, exactly. And he also has insight, because sometimes he has to focus, sometimes he has to think a lot. See what a person's intention is as well. Exactly. So it's like his main focus. He's basically like somewhat a fighter, which is interesting for a cleric. Because Mon Rangdom, it doesn't go into fights a lot. But if you want peace, be prepared for war. That's that's what they usually say, right? Right. So that's why that's why he he has a a training in also being a battle cleric as well. What does he look like? Well, he is very tall. Is I think 4.6. Is, is that is, is that like a that okay to be? Yeah, it's about average height for a dwarf. Okay, about 4.6. He's sort of brown skinned, like the mountain dwarves. Every everybody from Mon Regnum has a brown skin. He has black hair, black and white beard. He doesn't distinguish himself by any other dwarf. He's He's like a regular dwarf, 
but everybody from Monregnum he has metal arms and since he's a prince he has golden arms that is uh, an alloy made out of gold and argentum which is like this special metal that they found on Monregnum yeah he's strong well sturdy you know like all dwarves are yeah so that's pretty much it I'll go a little more into that metal so in the kingdom of Mons Regnum there is the special metal that you described that they discovered and they found by smelting it with other precious ores they can actually cover skin with it and it still allows for breathing they ended up using this as a way to show off their caste system and so they have the gold for the royalty the silver for nobility the iron is for the warrior class and the miners and uh, the bronze is for probably about the middle class and the copper is for the the poor class the lower class although no one's ever really too poor in Mons Regnum as it's very wealthy yes it would be similar like to a very wealthy and not very populated first world country yeah even though there are people that have less it's not as less as if you are like compared to a third world country where people actually starve to death right they have a lot and the rulers are usually just they are usually fair but well there are people that don't like it right and there are people like there are dwarves that they think that the king is actually branding them with the metal arms even though like the metal arms are super useful for example the miners with their iron arms it protects them the same as the knights right right so they can use can armor on top of it but having this iron arm is just another layer of protection but there are people that well they are not very into this idea of castes and they either run away to other kingdoms or they just well i mean it's it's very hard to make a revolution if everybody is actually like well fed and well clothed because moraine is a kingdom that's on top it's very high because it's a mountain so it's cold so people they have what they need so it's very hard for them to make a revolution so and there's also like the crimson arms i don't know if you want to talk about them for sure basically what the crimson arms are is they're people who've committed horrible crimes and they've had the metal stripped from their arms leaving them brutally scarred which leaves all this red scarring all over from the uh, elbow all the way up their hands and they've been dubbed the crimson arms so when you see someone with these arms it generally means they're some sort of bad criminal that you need to avoid or watch out for yes it's like a form of humiliation as well exactly those metal arms they are usually granted when you reach the adult life that's when you actually have your arms dipped into the alloy starting off today is the big day your brother is getting crowned and you are being made into the royal advisor though this day has been rushed and you're ready to tackle this new challenge you're standing on this raised platform and you're looking over the people of the great city of mon regnum 
You see most of them have come here. They're dressed in their finest outfits. You see many of the mountain dwarves are there with the many different colored arms. There's the odd human or different race that's spotted throughout there, but for the most part it looks to be just the people of your kingdom. There's the mountains that protect your kingdom that you're high up on, and the mountainous walls rise even higher, giving this city a feeling of security and protection. You look over to your brother, and he's standing pale-faced and nervous, but trying to act like nothing is phasing him. And the mountain of responsibilities have been dropped in your lap is immense, and you can only imagine what extra secrets he now needs to keep. As these brass horns blare out, signaling the coronation to begin, the old advisor of the king, your uncle, walks into the middle of the raised stage by a throne and motions for you and your brother to come forth. He raises his golden arms and shouts, Fellow citizens of Mondragnum, though we have faced difficult and trying times losing our beloved king Boridin, let us not sit in grief, for we have the next generation to lead us into greatness. Join me in welcoming our new ruler, King Galden, and his newly appointed advisor, Orodal. And the crowd just erupts into applause and cheering. And the royal advisor motions for you and Galden to come take the center of the stage and say a few words. So your brother goes up first and he gestures his hands down to get everyone to quiet down a little bit. Citizens of Mon Regno, I come to you a king in this trying time. I know many of you were not ready to see my father leave, and it has afflicted us so. But I promise to lead fairly and justly, just as he did before me, and I'll be sure to lead our people to greatness. With my sister bringing the family of the cave dwarves and mountain dwarves ever closer, and my brother here setting up negotiations with the kingdom of Drathgard, we will lead our kingdom into a glorious and prosperous new age. And you hear them all cheering for him as he motions for you to step up. People of Moraine, I will be as just and fair as my uncle. I will help this kingdom grow not only in power, but also in fairness. Nobody will be judged unfairly. Just like my uncle, I will be the right person to be on this position. I will help the king. I will try to advise him the best I can. I'll open his eyes if necessary, but I think that he will be an amazing king for everybody, despite of the cast. We are all together on this. We are all here to prosper. We are all here to make this kingdom grow and make this kingdom a better place. A place where we want our kids to grow and to be happy. Please do not be afraid Like if you have any sort of issues that needs to be settled, I will try to have my door, my doors as open as possible for you. So please let me help you and please help me help you as well. They all cheer for you and 
They better. They better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you take a step back, and uh, your brother's well said was a little better than mine. Well, I did take a course on speech, right? But thanks, brother. And I know it's a very hard time for both of us. And it's sad that dad just died so sudden. I know it's a huge burden and I'm here to share that with you. Don't let that weigh down your shoulders. I will be by your side always. As I'm quite sure our uncle will be as well. He's very wise. He smiles at you and says, thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. Let us go back to the castle. Okay. You guys get escorted by the guards to behind this raised stage. As you go to the back, you see waiting for you behind the stage is this lavishly decorated gold and bronze carriage with two massive boars tied to it, ready to take you to the castle. Shall we, brother? Yes, of course. We have a huge day ahead of us. The boars pulling your carriage get you to the castle a bit faster than expected. Beautifully constructed castles made of obsidian and many precious metals. Massive murals detail battles won over centuries, and the gods of the mountains who protect you loom over the surrounding walled gardens and estate. The gates open for you, and the carriage goes right up to the front of the castle. Well, brother, we have a, like you said, a busy day ahead of us. I'm going to go in and start getting things sorted. I suggest you do the same and get used to your new position. <laughs> yeah, let's see. It's a job with many responsibilities. Everything that we'll do will reflect our kingdom. We'll ref like we'll reflect on our people. We'll have to do the best. We'll have to always have an open heart, but always being just and being as fair as possible. Seems like just and fair are Bordon's keywords. Yeah. He looks at you and says, you'll make a great advisor, Bordon. Or a great jester, it seems. <laughs> well, we'll see. And he starts walking into the castle. Okay. So you just go to your room, or where do you go? So what time is it? It's probably about late afternoon. So I'll just grab something to eat, actually. I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty because... I had to give a speech and uh, I was almost dehydrated because I was uh, sweating a lot. I was super nervous, right? Yeah. So you get in there and a servant comes right up to you. Is there anything I can get for you, sir? Please bring me a strawberry juice and a loaf of bread. Yes, sir, at once. And am I bringing this to your office or to your quarters? Could you please bring me to my office? I'll be there. Of course. And he bows to you and then heads off quickly towards the kitchen. What's the color of his arm? His arms were silver. Oh, seriously? Most of the working staff in here will be of nobility. Oh. Because it's a great sign of honor to work for the royal family. That's interesting. And most of the warriors in here will be of iron or steel. Okay, perfect. You walk to your room and get to your office... Opening up the door, you see mounds and mounds of papers waiting for you to go over them, <laughs> sign them, read through them. Your uncle's sitting there, his feet are up, he's got a pipe, and he's got a decanter of wine and a glass in his hand, and he's just smiling at you. Well, Bordon, 
I hope you do like paperwork, because this is your life now. And then he takes a big sip of his wine. <laughs> well, Uncle, I know it's a sad, sad time, but you're probably happy that I'm taking that burden off your shoulders. Who doesn't wait for retirement? You'll still be helping me, right? Of course. I'm always here to advise. But Borodon, remember, tomorrow you have to meet with the diplomat from Drathgard. She's an interesting woman, but I'm sure you'll tread those waters carefully. I will. I'll make you proud, Uncle. I'll make both you and your late brother, my father, proud of me. The clergy, they taught me very well, and I'll do my best to use everything that they taught me in this diplomatic meeting. Of course. So he pulls up his chair near the desk and says, well, we better get started. Sure. Where exactly do I start? The day progresses, and this goes into the late hours of the night. You get food brought to you a few times because you pass a few meals while you're in here. And finally it gets late enough that you just have to sleep. You can't do any more or else you're going to mess things up. And as the next morning arises, you're getting dressed in your chambers when there's a knock at your door. Oh, please come in. Door opens and there's another one of the servants and she comes up and says, Sir, the diplomat wishes to meet you in the meeting room. Now? It is a bit early for her, but she seems to be, um, a bit demanding. She seems to be demanding your presence. I'm sorry, she seems to be, uh, different than most diplomats we've received. Sure. I mean, we cannot have them waiting, right? We don't want to start a war for such petty things, like, like, for example, waking me 7 a.m. to meet them, right? Of course, sir. <laughs> sure, okay, so I'll just dress myself up and I'll be there. Thank you very much for telling me that. Of course, and I'll bring your breakfast to the meeting room. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, could you please bring me lamb? I'm, I, I really want lamb today. Of course. Thank you very much. And she bows and exits the room and quickly heads off. Okay, so I'll dress my... Do advisors have... Do they have like a specific gown or something? Uh, that's up to you. How would you like him to be dressed? As royalty, being well-dressed, but not for a party. I'll be using like a... In a sense of like a full cloak. You know, it's a blue stripe in the middle and white. And in the middle, the chest, it has the kingdom's symbol. When you get dressed and you start heading to the meeting room, you get there and this room's decorated differently than other rooms in the castle. Because it's accommodating for people of taller stature. So it has things like more wooden furniture with natural curves and rounded design to it, or taller chairs, larger couches, instead of the short and sharp solid designs that your people enjoy. On the table sits a bowl of fruits and a decanter of wine, and your breakfast is sitting there as well. Around this table are many different chairs, different heights, but seem, some seem to have little steps leading up to them, some seem to just be the large chairs by themselves, but no one is in there right now. So I open the door, and I try to find any servant. Can I identify the person who told me that the diplomat was waiting for me? 
Yeah, we'll say you see her. She's around the area. She just finished dropping off your breakfast. Okay, so I call her. She rushes on over. Is there anything I can help you with, sir? Yes, uh, could you please come in? Of course. She comes in. So, was she really here? Was the diplomat really here? Because, I mean, she's not here right now. Uh, she wasn't in the room. She told me to tell you to meet her here. Oh. I figured she would have already been here since she was so demanding, but... <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's just, uh... Yeah, I thought I just thought she would be here. Yes, uh, well, I did as well. I thank her for the food again. I let her be. She bows and leaves the room. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes while you're sitting there eating your breakfast, and it seems like an awfully long time to be waiting. Finally, the door opens up. A remarkably beautiful human woman walks into the room. She's standing six feet tall and has bronze-colored hair and piercing yellow eyes. She carries herself in a way that not only holds confidence, but you can sense this power coming from her. And she walks over to you and extends her hand to shake yours. It's a pleasure to meet you, Royal Advisor Borden. You look just like your father. My name is Dorum Highfire. I'm the diplomat from the neighboring kingdom of Drathgard. So I shake her hand and I say it's a pleasure to meet you, my lady. Do you mind if I sit? Oh, please. No, go ahead. So she sits and pulls the bowl of fruit towards her and just starts eating from it while staring at you. How is the kingdom treating you? Are you having good accommodations? And are they treating you well? Do you need anything, like something, anything? I can just ask the servitors to bring it for you if you need. The kingdom's fine, and the people are treating me fine. But unfortunately, you have not really been holding up your end of the bargain helping Drathgard. As you know, there's a drought and very little food to go around. I was trying to work something out with the last king and his advisor, but nothing was happening and people are still starving. Correct, but we're in the middle of the winter. It's, it's hard for us as well. So, will you be giving aid to the kingdom like your father had promised? Yes, of course. But I cannot put my own people in check as well. Hmm. I'm sure we could come to some sort of accommodations, maybe get a supply train going down there. Tell me, Borden, were you surprised at your father's death? Yes, of course. Like everybody in this kingdom. He was healthy, he was young, he was a great king. Everybody loved him. He could bring peace to our people. He was an intermediate between two other kingdoms because he was very respected. So there was absolutely no reason for him to die. It was very sudden. It was very tragic. He was such a good king. Didn't that disease seem weird? Do you know what seems weird? The way you talk. She puts her feet up on a chair. Could you please don't do that? Hmm, maybe. But, and she leans in a little more towards you. Borden, there's something I've been so excited to tell you about, and that's why I needed you here. Sure. You see... I killed your father. I'm responsible for his death. I gave him that magical disease over and over again, and you clerics kept you kept curing it with your magic, and it was amazing, I do have to say, but I just kept putting it on him again, and then that made you think your magic wasn't working. And 
he just slowly died. What? What are you saying? I'm saying I caused that whole thing. Isn't that hilarious, Borodon? I, I can't understand. Like, if that's a joke, it's a it's a joke of a very bad taste. No, I did kill him. But what's actually funny is that I can tell anyone in this kingdom that I murdered their king, and none of them remember. So why do you remember, Borodon? What are you talking about, wench? Like, that's an absurd. I'm calling the guards. No, but first, I'll punch her. Before before calling the guards, I'll sucker punch her. Roll to hit. Okay. Do, do I have, like, any hand-to-hand combat? So what you'll just add for an attack is your proficiency bonus and your strength modifier. Okay, which... <laughs> they're, they're both are quite big. Okay, so it's plus five. Nice. Okay, so it's 17. You go to swing at her, and it looks like a sure hit. You're super angry, just everything flying through you. And your body freezes in midair as she's pointing a finger at you, and she's like, Mmm, no, no. And she pushes her hand out a little more, and you feel yourself forced back into the chair as this rushing presence is weighing down on you. No, I, I don't feel like getting struck, but thank you, though, for acting against me. But you know what's going to be fun? No one's going to believe you. No one's going to really understand you. But if they see you striking a diplomat, they'll sure remember that. So let's have fun, Borodon. I'll talk to you again soon. And she gets up and walks out. And the moment the door closes behind her, the crushing feeling disappears. Okay. So I do have a... Now, Maturgy, I think that's the one that he... To make your voice louder? Yes. Well, I leave the room, of course, and I use uh, Thaumaturgy to tell everybody what the diplomat... Like, of course, it's going to be everybody from the kingdom... Like, not kingdom, like everybody that's In inside the castle. the castle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and I, and I round the guards, and, uh, yeah, and I use... So what do you say exactly? We have a traitor among us, the diplomat. She's the one who killed my father. I need all guards. I need all and any guards. We need to stop her and she needs to be judged for her actions. So you shout this and a few people look your way. Make an insight check. Nine. (laughs) Okay, my eyes just exploded. Nine. You definitely see people look your way when you shout this, and it's loud. You feel the ground vibrate while you're shouting all of this. But no one comes to you. Not a single person. They look over at you, and then they look away as if nothing happened, and keep doing what they were doing. Okay, so I just grab uh, one uh, servitor by her arm and ask her, Did you did you hear what I said? Uh, hear what, sir? So, I'll tell you, real slow, the diplomat, she killed my father, slowly, using magic, and she's... Can you hear that? Make another insight check. Okay, I got 11. You're really staring at her, and you say this to her, and after you're done talking, she goes, What are you going to tell me, sir? 
what are you going to say slowly? I need a cup of wine. Okay? Did you get that? Yes, there's a decanter of wine in the meeting room. Do you want more? I want a bottle of wine so I can smash that bottle of wine on the diplomat's head. Did you get that? Sir, why would you do such a thing? That's that is horrible. What <laughs> Oh my god. What what kind of advisor are you? Okay, lady. Let me finish. Because she killed my father. Sir, what are you what are you going to finish with? I'm just going to finish the bottle. Okay, just just bring me I'm going to the king. I need to talk to him. She looks visibly shaken, and she's like, I- I'll bring the bottle to the-, the king's chambers. Please, please do, and I'll be there. So I just, it just bolted there, you know, like as fast as my dwarven legs can go. So you rush to the king's chambers, and you open up the door, and the king's there, and he's enjoying his breakfast, and he's talking to a few people in the room. You see... Your uncle's in there, and he seems to be joking about something, and you also see your younger sister, Yolanda's in there. Oh, brother! Okay, do you know the diplomat? Y- you guys, of course. Uh, Miss Highfire, of course. She introduced herself to me. Yeah, that bitch. She killed our father. Um, so what did you want to talk about? She made sweet, sweet love with our father. Oh! That is... that is an unfounded rumor. What evidence do you have of this? <laughs> Borodon, are you... are you drunk? And just as he says that, the servant comes up. Uh, your bottle of wine, sir. And she hands you your wine. <laughs> she? Okay. Do you know when you have a knife? Yes. And then you get that knife and stab somebody? You mean like murder? Yes. Okay, think about murder. Okay. Do, do, do you have murder on your mind? Right. Okay, so the next word that I'll say, please connect it with murder, okay? Alright. Diplomat. You gonna, you gonna say it, Bordon, or...? Foreigner. And your sister stands up and she she takes the bottle from the stressed out servant and ushers her off and puts her the back of her arm on your forehead. He doesn't seem to be sick or drunk. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll grab like a, a, a parchment. I just get a feather and ink and I just write it on paper. Okay, so you just quickly scrawl this out and you... Put it in front of their faces. I need you to make another insight check. Oh, jeez. 21. There you go. So you hold this paper in front of their faces, and you see it for a split moment. Their eyes widen a little bit from surprise, and then go back to normal. And you saw it was barely even a second this happened. You saw a register in their mind, and then it was gone. Okay. What... What's with this paper, Borodon? It's blank, right? Yes. Okay, uncle. Did we have uh, a good relationship with... uh, What's the name of the kingdom again? 
Drathgard? Yes, Drathgard. It's always been tense. It's never been great, but your father was working very hard to strengthen that bond. Correct. And do you think that they, for example, may try to, I don't know, cause harm to any of us? Well, there are dissenters amongst their people. I suppose there could be assassins from Drathgard who would try to harm the royal family, of course. Yes. Correct. So, like from 1 to 10, for absolutely no reason, no reason at all, okay, what's the chance of having the diplomat jailed? Like from 1 to 10, and I'm completely crazy right now. Well, um, she's rude. Sure, I've dealt with her myself. She's very different, but uh, she's never broken any laws, so I'd say zero? She, she tried to kill me. She, she, she tried to stab me. And I roll my persuasion. 18. Uh, let me see some real quick. Do you have any proof of this? Is not my word proof enough, uncle? I'm just asking, did any of the servants see this, or anyone else? No. He he puts down his wine and says, Mordon, you've always been a straight thinker, and I trust you. Okay. Call the guards. I use thaumaturgy again, and call the guards. They quickly come after hearing you bellow out. Okay, so I need the diplomat in chains now. Uh, of course, sir. And your uncle stands beside you and says, I hope you know what you're doing, Bordon. This could mean war. They have already sealed their fate when they did what they did to your brother, my father. He, he nods and looks back at the rest of your family, and they're kind of just staring, concerned towards you. Well, brother, today we are supposed to go out and... Uh, Hear the concerns and pleas of the people. Your rousing speech has brought many things up that they would like to discuss, and we were going to go to the town square. Are you still available to come with us? I'm sure we can sort out this matter when we get back. Sure, yes. I, I have to, to think about our people. Yeah, I need to be there. And he nods, and he starts getting ready, and your sister Yolanda stands up and brushes herself off and looks at you. I'll be going too, brother, as a part of security, but try to keep this under wraps. We don't need this coming up again. I know. Sorry. It's okay. Just... Sorry. Just be careful. Yeah, she... Like, she did try to, to hurt, so that's why. That's why as for the bottle of wine, I needed to try to cool down my head, but with my father's death and uh, she attempting to take my life... I'm sorry. I should have rolled down my head, but I really need her. We really need to judge her for an attempt on my life. Of course. She's trying to de like destabilize the kingdom, trying to kill the advisor, because she knows that the moment one advisor steps down, it's very hard. It's, it's complicated to have like the late advisor to be trusted as the like as much as the current advisor. Right. Which sounds completely awkward, but it's just tradition. 
Your sister gets ready, she dons her armor, and you guys are quickly taken with the guards to get to Town Square. So you get to Town Square, and you see many copper and iron arms amongst the crowd, and here and there you see a few silver arms. A number of the Royal Guard is already there, as well as your sister, she came to be one of the escorts. As you exit the carriage, Dust Tusk comes up with Yolanda on top of this massive albino boar. She looks down at you and says, There sure are a lot of people here, brothers. Try to be careful. Your brother gets out of the carriage and he walks towards the crowd. And many people are cheering for him and calling out to him. And I've come to hear your pleas. Now, tell me, what ails you, my dear subjects? The citizens start coming up and it's pretty uniform. They come up in these lines and there's a bulk crowd behind them. And you hear some people, they're saying things like, There hasn't been a great crop this year. I was wondering if maybe we can get a few more hands to help. Maybe use some magic for the fields? It would mean a lot. And other people are saying, The mines are starting to get a little more dangerous. We could use some more warriors down there. It's There's orcs that are starting to come through. And all sorts of people are bringing up these problems. You hear a couple of them say that their family members are getting sick with a strange sickness and they're not sure what it is and they could use some of the healers to come down from the clergy and check things out. And as you guys are talking to a number of people, you've probably talked to a good dozen people already just standing there. You see there are two humans and a dwarf that are coming up to ask a question. It's not rare for humans to be in Monregnum, but it's not super common. And you see a, a number of the royal guards are right by you guys, maybe a few feet away. And you see them kind of grip their halberds a little more. And suddenly, the three of these people all shout at the same time in perfect unison, DEATH TO THE CURSED KING! And they all charge at him with daggers. And before you can even react, these guards just quickly swing their halberds and just cut these three down. And suddenly, the crowd panics. Everyone's screaming and moving everywhere. I knew it, brother. I knew this would happen. What is, what is this? Who are those people? That's what I'm saying. Those people are from... They are, they are from Drathgard. Your brother, he looks a little panicked and shaken. I didn't, I didn't think an assassination would happen this quick. It's the second day. Yes, they want to destabilize our kingdom. We need to close our borders. The guards quickly are trying to usher you back. We are self-sufficient. They are now our... That's so complicated. I mean, I was supposed to be a wise and cool-headed character, but it seems like it. That's not me. <laughs> I'm more of a if they want to fuck with us. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Our buttons are bigger than theirs. <laughs> <laughs> so the guards quickly usher you back to the carriage, and your sister's like, "Go back to the castle. We'll take care of this here." Okay, so I just follow the king. So the carriage quickly gets back to the castle, they lock the gates to the, the royal estate, and a number of guards stand at watch at the front doors as they lead you in. And your brother's quite shaken. He, he said, what did they mean by cursed king? What, what was that? That's... Uh, I think... I may be wrong, but I think this awkward illness... 
that's befalling our people is actually like a magic. It's a magic disease that's killing our people slowly. I'll I'll send word. I'll have the clerics come down from the mountains. We need to look into this immediately. That's right, but at the same time... Okay, l- let's suppose that our clerics are not strong enough. Is my un- uncle around? Uh, no, right now it's just you and your brother and a number of the guards and servants rushing around. and You can hear a lot of people already gossiping. I'll just tell my brother, because if my uncle was there, I could just ask him. Because he would probably know better. But what I say is, so just just in case our clerics are not strong enough, it's not our faith, but how strong we are. If just in case we're not strong enough to heal this, like this disease, to cure this disease, so what should we do? I know it's an absurd to ask you that since I am your advisor. We'll have to quarantine people if we can't cure it. Correct. Regardless, we should be quarantining people anyways. Yes. And no at the same time. Because, think think like that. If it's just like magic disease, probably it's like you cannot pass this disease on. I mean, it's, it's, it's usually like, it's usually common that unless it's a very strong disease, these diseases are not like, you can infect a person, you can poison a person. But that disease is not like a curse, right? Or maybe it is a curse. I, there's too many factors here that we don't know, Borodon. See to it that this is taken care of. I'm going to look more into this assassination plot. We need to... Let's regroup in a few days. I'm going to look into things and have a few other people investigate things. I need you to tell me how the kingdom is, how these people are getting sick. Uh, maybe there's a common place they're all going to. I don't know. Just something. Okay, so that's what I'll do, my king. And please be safe. And uh, if if you if you if you uh, get across the like the diplomat, don't like don't do don't don't try to talk to her. Don't try to gauge her or anything like that. Just just stay as far as possible from her and always have your guards. I know that you are an amazing uh, fighter. But please, don't be alone with her. He nods to you and says, Alright, I'll do just that. Now, I must take my leave. Please, Godspeed, brother. And so, over the next few days, what do you do, Borodon? I talk to the clergy to see if this disease has happened before. And if the symptoms matches, doesn't need to be perfect. I ask them about the disease. I read about it, and I try to read about the people from Threathguard as well. I try to check like their lineage, if they dare to have warlocks or any sort of witches or anything like that. Roll me an investigation and roll me a medicine. Okay, investigation. Okay, plus zero. Twenty. Natural twenty. Yeah, natural twenty. Nice. And what did you get for medicine? Medicine plus three. Fourteen. Okay. What the clergy can tell you about this sickness is that it hasn't ever appeared before. They've had bad sicknesses, but they've had completely different side effects. And the people now who are suffering, they're bleeding out of their eyes, their nose, their mouth, their ears. 
it's almost like their insides are being liquefied and they can't figure it out. Wait, are, are, are you saying that they now have Ebola and everybody, oh, and, and they're all like... No, <laughs> they don't have Ebola. You're lucky. Because Ebola isn't magical, okay? Oh, yeah, that's true. So they're they're getting this disease that's essentially liquefying their insides, but it's perfectly preserving the body on the outside, which doesn't make any sense. They're trying to look more into this, and it seems that the disease is spreading, and they're not sure if it's through bodily fluids, if it's just from contact with the skin. They're not sure, but this disease does seem to be spreading slowly. What you find out about the people of Drathgard, you find out that the citizens of Drathgard have a lot of people who specialize in arcane nature. They've always been a petty nation. They've been very poor, and they often try to get things from Mons Regnum, and they feel like you you owe them, in a sense. They've always been very passive-aggressive towards you about it. But nonetheless, you've tried to avoid war, which you've had a few times with these people, so you try to help them out. You try to do the better thing. And you do know they have dealt and dabbled with the arcane, but you're not sure if they've gone as far as served outer planes, demonic beings, or anything along those lines. Okay. After a few days, you've done a lot of running around, talking to people, and more people are starting to get sick. The kingdom is in a bit of a tense situation and the king summons you to his chambers okay so i go there in a hurry so you open up the door and you go in there and it has that smell like somebody hasn't showered in a few days oh boy you see the king he's sitting there and he has two armed guards in the room as you walk in your brother must not have slept again because his hair is messy his beard looks a bit tangled, and there's dark circles under his eyes. Thank you for coming, brother. Please, sit. There's a matter I'd like to discuss with you. Sure, brother, but how long have you not been sleeping? I... I don't know. I promise I'll get some sleep soon, but... I just... I needed to talk to you. Okay. Yes, please. Talk to me. So, as you've guessed, brother, this cursed king, it does have something to do with our father's death. They think that I've I've caused his death to usurp the throne. It's it's ridiculous. Yes, I totally agree. That's blasphemy. And even worse, they say there's a a group of dissenters that wishes to see you get the throne. What? They think that you should lead them, for you have the grace of the dwarven gods. An advisor shouldn't be king. You should be king. You are wise. You are strong. You have to go there and you have to show them that. I, I'll, I'll stand by your side and I'll, I would never, I will never take the throne. Roll a persuasion check, because he seems like he wants to believe you, but you can see that he's in a state of paranoia. Please don't bite your tongue. Twenty-one. I'm sorry, brother. I, I began to doubt you. I, I've just been. I don't know why I'm so shaken. This, I've been in combat. I've fought orcs. I've fought trolls. I shouldn't be shaken by a simple assassination, but it has me bothered. I don't know. But it does make sense now, brother, because the entire kingdom, it's yours to rule. Yes, it would be like such a blow if you, if you die. 
so it, it's completely understandable and of course it's your life and it's very important thank you for understanding and I have my men looking into this they think they may have located their hideout there going to investigate further but the diplomat Miss Highfire she wanted to see you in the meeting room okay I'll, I'll be there so I just take my leave and uh, before leaving I just how can I say like I give my brother a blessing okay yeah like uh, in, in a sense of not like a real blessing but like you, you say a quick prayer for him exactly exactly I, I, I say I say a quick prayer for him thank you brother please take care of yourself of course we need you your kingdom and your subjects we, we all We'll have the information on this hideout later tonight, and I'll talk to you then. Perfect, brother. Thank you. So you rush off to the meeting room, and opening it up... But first, I find at least two guards to accompany me. Sure. They come in there with you. You and the two guards, you walk into the, this diplomat room, and you see that Doram's sitting at the table. No chains, no manacles, nothing. She's sitting there in her robes, and she's arranged these fruits into this precarious tower and is talking to the guard and she says if this falls i think i shall kill your family tonight but if it stands well actually i'm just going to kill them anyway it's all the same to you oh borodon just the dwarf i was looking for come on in you wench what do you want oh language borodon language and the guards take their place beside the door on either side of it what do you need? What do you want? We have helped your kingdom. We have fed you. We have protect your... Your fucking kingdom. Uh, yeah, kind of. I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, how do you like the plague? I use... Uh... uh oh, jeez. I want, I want to use sacred flame on her. I can but would that be wise? That's the thing. You can. Actually, I want her to spill as much as as much information as as possible. I actually have the cure for the plague. Do you want to know what it is? Yes, but of course, you are killing my brothers and sisters. Oh, uh, I just I need something from you. Um, hmm. I just what? do I need? What would you give me? What do you need from me? I need... I need your sister. What? Which... which one? The youngest one, Yolanda. Why would you need her? Because I get what I want, Borodon. What are you going to do with her? What I do with her is between me and Yolanda. When I discuss it with her, if she willingly agrees to come with me, then I want you to do nothing. Okay, and uh, how do I know that you're going to, to up, uphold your side of the bargain? Mm, I'll tell you it right now. How's that? I'll give you half of the ingredients you need, and then you bring your sister here, I'll talk with her, and then I'll give you the other half. Okay, anything for our people? She quickly writes down, a few ingredients that you look and it seems to be like common plants that are in the area, certain fungi that grow in the caves. 
And I will tell you how to prepare all that once you bring your sister here. Okay, okay. But you better not hurt her. I'll be right back. As I leave, I just I just find like anyone, like any servitor, and I, and I give her like the ingredients, and I ask her to round up as 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 many as possible and send it to the to the temple. They quickly rush off with the list. Okay. Also, and I write down that this may be a solution for the plague. This may be the cure. And I send it to the clerics. Okay. Okay, so I tried to find Yolanda. You find her after maybe an hour of looking throughout the castle, going to different areas of it. You find her. She's just in one of the mess halls with a number of the other troops. And it's, it's about lunchtime, so it makes sense. So, Yolanda... Yes, brother. I need you to accompany me, and it may be a little bit—it's—it may be a little bit of a dangerous situation. So please be armed. But I need you to to go with me and talk to the diplomat, like the one that tried to kill me, and probably tried to kill our brother as well. She doesn't even say anything. She picks up her weapons that she was recently training with, and follows you. You enter into the chamber, the three guards are still there, and you come in there and she says, Oh, Bordon, you've just made it. I just actually finished killing this man's family. What? Why? What? Like, there's absolutely no reason for you to do that. Oh, I thought you wanted me to. Why? Well, you came in here, you're like, Oh, Dorum, what are you doing? Why are you threatening this man? And I thought you were just saying... Don't just be all talk, be action. So I went and killed his family while you were gone. You know, maybe you need to be more clear, Oradon. And she stands up and she points at the guard she was threatening. What you see happen is the flesh on his skull starts bubbling. His eyes go wide and it just melts off. And he collapses to the ground. And no one else reacts to this. Now you've gone and upset me, Oradon. And I say nothing. So she she motions her hand towards Yolanda, and Yolanda steps forward with a steely gaze. And Dorum starts circling her slowly, and it looks like a wolf looking at a sheep. She's she's perfect, and she doesn't even know it. Know what? What are you talking about? She doesn't even know the capabilities of her power. Did you know that only one in a billion are born with abilities like these? And look at her. She doesn't even use it. She swings around a metal stick. What are you talking about? She's a great knight. She has won dozens and dozens of battles. Oh, I'm sure. But she has the ability to travel anywhere in the multiverse with a flick of her wrist, and she can't even manifest it. What What are you talking about? We, we are not versed into magic. She crouches down and gets at Yolanda's level, and Yolanda's just staring at her. Yolanda, I need you to help me. You see, your brother, right there, Oridon, has been trying to kill the king, and I have proof. No, that's an absurd. What are you talking about, witch? Well, you see, the guards will come back very shortly because I gave them a tip on where you've been lately doing all this running around. 
Wait, I do have white eyewitnesses to prove that I was with them. I was with the clerics. What are you talking about? You have nothing on me. That's absurd. And suddenly, you hear a banging at the door, and everyone turns towards the door. You hear, My prince! My prince! I have urgent news! What? What is it? So you open up the doors, and the young dwarf who had talked to you a few days ago, he stumbles in, his face is pale, he's sweating. He quickly sputters, it, it, It's Drathgard, my lord. They've brought an army to the walls. I don't know what's happening. How, how could they amass such a, an army? It would have taken them days to walk through all that snow. I don't, I don't know how they made it here. Exactly. Oh, I, like they, uh, I knew it. I knew they just, they were just going to attack as soon as possible. Okay, so uh, does the king know that? I, I don't know. Um, I, I quickly came to tell you as soon as I could, and then I was going to go to the king. You did, you, you did right. Are you gonna go tell the king, or should I? Just go. Just go. I, I have to, to be here with my sister. Of course. Tell the king. And tell the guards to tell the other guards. And maybe we'll have to prepare for war. So you hear him, like, he's quickly shouting it to other people while he's running. And then Doram goes, Oh, yeah! Yeah, yeah, no, I summon that army, for sure. Why? What do you want from us? We have helped your people. It doesn't make any sense. I I want your sister. I told you bring her here. Yes, and she's here. It's weird, though. She hasn't said anything. She's just staring forward. What is she? What? She's a dwarf. What are you talking about? Oh, I've never really adventured with dwarves. Just three other humans. We were a, an amazing group. We took down this fallen angel and saved our world. Oh, the days of adventuring. What, what are you talking about? You're not that old days of adventuring. What are you talking about? Ordon, there's much you don't know. And I am more than happy to not tell you any of it. What? Come, Yolanda. We're going to your brother's chambers, and we shall see how he plots to kill your king. And she... Flicks a hand, and the door goes flying off the hinges and down the hallway. Okay. I mean, I am feeling completely powerless. I just go. You get into there. Your brother is sitting there. And as you look over, you see that he's wide-eyed, and he's clutching a piece of paper, and there's a few guards and a few citizens in this room. Your mother is crying, and your uncle is holding her, trying to console her. You see Doram stand behind the king, and the king looks over at you. Brother, what is the meaning of this? What's the meaning of what? He slams down a paper. There have been over 40 eyewitnesses that you have been visiting the hideout of these insurgents. They have information that only you would know. Things have been signed and use your royal seal. What? They have been given money from the royal coffers. You have been sneaking people in from Drathgard. All of this has been brought to light. We're talking about... First, that's an absurd. And second, who gave you, like, such faulty... Such, like, such liars, such faulty information? People from every caste have seen you entering that establishment. 
They've seen you bringing money. They've seen you bringing weapons. They have seen you in the flesh. And then I tried to follow up on you visiting the clergy, on you asking around about the Drathgard nobles, and no one has seen you in these areas. Like, not even the clerics that I talked to? No, no one. And you see now he's crying, and he clutches that paper again, looks down. It pains me to say this. Guards, arrest this man for treason against his king and assassination against the royal family. No! He turns away, and you see tears are falling down his cheeks. Brother! And the guards ask you to put your hands in front of you, and they hold out manacles. Of course, I will comply. I love my kingdom. I love my king. I would never, ever, ever raise a hand. Take him away. Does the guards place the manacles around your wrist and clamp them down? Your family, they can't even stare at you. Your sister, you hear the weapon clatter to the ground as she takes a step back. This this can't be right, Bora. No. I... No. And she runs off the other way. I'll just remain silent. I mean, what else could I say, you know? Anything that I'll say, it's going to be twisted anyway. So I'd rather be silent. So the guards lead you away, and they take you to a cell where... They remove your manacles, but they put a chain around your leg, and then it attaches to the wall. In this cell, it's pretty dark, and it's very moist. It's not well kept, for obvious reasons. It's only decorated with a moldy cot, a bucket for you to use, however you choose, and the chain leading back to the wall. So how does Bordon spend his time while he's in here? We'll say for the next two days. So, yeah, I'll probably don't have any anything with me besides my own clothes, right? That's right. I can still cast magics, right? Do you try while you're in there? If, if it's, like, super dark, I'll just cast Sacred Flame just to see something, you know, inside of it. You see that you can still cast your spells. Okay, that's good. So does he just spend this time maybe contemplating? Well, what I'm going to do is... Any food that I get from them, I'll check for poison and disease. And the water, I will just create water and drink the water that I'm creating. Okay. Over the next few days, they bring you meager meals, but none of it's ever poisoned. Mm -hmm. While you're sitting there in your cell, just sitting on the cot you have there, suddenly this sound uh, shuffling is heard down the hall. And walking in front of your cell, you see a figure clad in white robes, wearing a pallid white mask with a hood pulled over their head. And you hear a strange voice speak out to you. Borodon, once more I am sent to a broken man. I am truth. You have been enlisted to fight a war. This war holds far more importance than your doomed kingdom. Do you desire the power to right your wrongs and protect those who matter to you? Sure. When he's standing there, there's a white glow that's coming off of him that just sort of lights up this whole area. Yes, but first of all, I, I don't have to right any wrongs of my doing. 
I didn't do anything wrong. I was framed. You failed them. What, what are you talking about? How could I fail if nobody believed me? If, if I got framed for something that I didn't do? Power, yes. I, I need the power. And why are you saying the kingdom or my kingdom is doomed? What, what do you know? What's happening outside? I've seen what will happen. I've seen what has happened. Your kingdom will not retain its wealth and grandeur that it holds now. Give me your left hand, and I will give you this power you wish. Wait, but for what price? You will fight in a war that spans the stars. You will defeat a being that your mind will barely be able to comprehend. You will be gone from this world for a time, but if you succeed, you may return. But will it be enough? Like, if I leave now and I go back, will I be able to save my kingdom? Are you a man of faith? Of course I am. Then I guess you'll need to have faith. But I'm rational to the point to know that faith without actions are not enough. He just stands there and extends one hand. Okay, so I... I, I shake his hand, but I didn't... Do you Are you saying like you tentatively reach out to his hand? Yeah. So as you extend your left hand to take his, and you go to shake his hand, he grabs your wrist and turns your hand to the side and begins crushing it. It's all you can do to keep from screaming as your legs start to buckle and you feel the bones start to break in your hand. And there's this throbbing on top of your hand as if somebody just put a hot poker there. And then, when it's just about to be too much for you and your vision starts fading, he lets go, and your hand is back to normal. You see, as you look down, the gold that covers your arms and covers your forearms seems fine, but right on top of your left hand, there's this black symbol that can be seen right through the gold. There's a small circle in the center of it, and three tendrils that move away from it. Two going in one direction, one going in another. And they seem to be shifting ever so slightly. As he lets go of your hand, and you're staring down at it, he takes a step back from your cell doors. Once you leave your mortal shell, you shall begin your service. See that you do not get manipulated so easily. And as he's saying that, his head suddenly explodes. What? White, milky substance coats you as if it's some strange blood. The contents of his head just spill out onto the floor as his body falls. And you can hear the click of boots walking down the hall and the clink of a staff. And Dorum strides right in front of your cell, and she steps through the cell bars as though they weren't even there, not even glancing at the body she just created. And she looks down at you, her piercing yellow eyes staring right into you. There you are, Borodon. I've been looking all over for you. I had a really good question. Where else would I be? Oh, I thought you were in your room. Yes, no. Of course not. You have poisoned everybody. Not just uh, the body, but also the mind. You have corrupted everybody. That's just it. That's what I was wondering. How come you can see through all of that? That magic is... Well, it's not of this world, for sure, but none of you should have been able to see through it. And yes, I get it, you have the gift of your god, blah blah blah, you're a cleric, 
but the rest of the clerics couldn't see through it. What is it that makes you so damn special? Right into her eyes, and I try to see if there is something. You know, when you can see like a fire or something evil. Roll me an insight. Well, I have enough time to do that, right? So, <laughs> okay. So I got 14. You look into her eyes, and these piercing yellow eyes, it's a strange color that you've never really seen, and her irises seem to take up the majority of her eye, as if there was a really bright light shining at her. And you can see here and there, it's like a slight tremor, a shift through her eyes, and just for a second, they go green, and then the yellow takes back over. And when they go green, it's almost like you see something else there, but then the yellow takes back over and she keeps smiling. Oh, I see. So I, I'm not going to say anything anymore. Okay, that's it. You, you have one. She looks down at all the, all the white everywhere. What is this? Did you have a friend over? I don't know. I, I thought he was one of your assassins. No, no. Mine would show up, their faces would be all melted, arms, tentacles. Like, she's talking about this stuff like it's nothing while she's kind of kicking at the body. And she rolls the body over, and you see her leg just goes through the cell bars. Like, there's nothing there, and the cell bars don't melt, they don't go away. It's just, it's like they don't exist for a bit. It's just like she she doesn't belong to the same dimension as I am, right? Right. And so she looks at him and says, It looks familiar. And she glances down at your hand, and she sees that symbol there. What is that? I don't know. That sneaky yellow snake. He is out of tries. His soldier allotment is empty. Zero. None. Where does he get off thinking he gets more soldiers? And she just goes and she kicks you right in the stomach. So I just, like, I tried to prevent as much damage as I could. You take three points of damage, and it's temporary. Ugh. Ugh. You know what? I was going to kill you. Quick, because I like you. But not anymore. I'm going to make sure you get the guillotine, and your family sees the shame. So, is she close enough for me to spit on her face? Definitely. Okay, so that's what I do. You spit in her face, and it goes and globs onto her and starts going down a bit, because you haven't been getting a lot of water, so it's that gross, sort of sticky, ooey stuff. And she doesn't flinch. She just stares at you and says, You would have made an excellent minion. It's a shame. It's a shame, Borodon. I liked you. And she walks away, but instead of leaving through the cell door, she just walks out of the wall. What the... Okay, what I'll do is... I'll... Ah, like, I know I'm a cleric, and I should be praying, but I, I wish, like, this... Like, being a cleric is more of a... I know I know there's a god, because that's uh, that's what happens on D&D, right? They are right. real. They, like, they, they are actual creatures, right? And, um... But I'm not like the the praying, oh, please, God, save me. It's more of a give me strength and give me guidance, you know? Right. 
You're not asking him for to take care of your problems, you're asking for him to help you. Exactly. Just, like, point me to the right way. That That's, that's what I'm looking for. So, like, please give me strength in this trying times, and uh, please give me a sign that everything is going to be okay. So, while you're praying and your hands are clasped together, I don't know how exactly your character prays, but you feel this warmth come over you, and normally this cell is very chilly, there's a lot of moisture in the air, but for this moment while you're praying and you're asking for guidance and strength, you feel warm. And then when you're done praying, it fades a little bit, but not too much, to the point where you're still comfortable. So I think Keeper of Secrets Under the Mountain. What ends up happening later in the day, the guards come down and they don't even seem to notice this dead body that is actually decomposing rather quickly. And while it's decomposing, it just seems to be turning into this white fluid. It seems kind of like if you had blood, but they just made it white and it was a little more runny. As you're let out of prison, they still have the manacles clasped onto you, and you're put into a wagon, and a bag is placed over your head. And after a short ride, you've deduced that you're at the central plaza, where the last execution happened 30 years ago. This man had killed a bunch of miners for fun, thinking they're expendable, whatever. So he was actually sentenced to death to boil in the very ore they died for. You're not sure what they have in store for you. But as you get there, they take you out of the wagon, and the bag is taken off your head, and the light is blinding. You haven't seen the sun in a number of days, and now you have to squint just to see anything. You're led to this raised platform where you see your fate. Just as Doran promised, a large guillotine stands there, ominously looming over the crowd as though it knew it was only here for death. You're led onto the platform where your old instructor Malden stands alongside your brother. In the crowd, you see your family there, looks of shame and grief on their faces, and behind them, you see the wall that has protected this city for generations. And your old instructor turns towards you. Wait, just one question. What happened to, like, Drethgard uh, army? Uh, you don't know. You haven't been told anything. You don't see any signs of them, but then again, you can't exactly see over the wall. Okay. So your instructor turns towards you and says, Oridon. Do you have any final words? I will come back, and I'll save you all. He nods, and he takes the manacles off of you, and the guards help lower your head down onto this bend of wood, and they lower a piece on top of your neck. And looking forward, you see this crowd of people, all colors of arms standing there, and you see your family in the center. Your mother and uncle not looking towards you. Your older sister is there. She must have come in just very recently after all this has happened. And just a look of pure exhaustion and defeat sits on her face. Your younger sister is there with her massive battle boar. And she's just staring angrily forward. She doesn't seem sad or angry at you, it seems like she's more angry at the situation. She must have been fighting this whole thing, trying to get you off the hook. Just as they're starting to set up the guillotine and they're raising it up, you see behind your sister is Dorum, 
and she's pulling out this sharp knife. Looks like it's made out of obsidian. What do you do in that moment? Behind you, sister. High or low? Uh, high. 100. So you shout, behind you, sister. And suddenly, just at lightning speed, this boar goes and turns its head and knocks right into Dorum. You see its tusk go right through her side and flings her off. And Dorum looks surprised at this and just tumbles head over heels a few times and lands onto the ground, but no blood seems to be flowing out of her as she sits back up, looking incredibly angry. Your sister stumbles back in surprise and grabs onto her boar, and suddenly, in this flash of cyan blue light, she disappears. What you see next is Dorum stands up and she screams, and it echoes throughout this entire area, shaking you to the core. Everyone stops, they clutch their ears, they, and you feel this trickle of blood coming out of them. You see her angrily wave her hands toward the walls, and the gates fly open. And then your blood runs cold, as you see an army of the dead come charging through the gate, clamoring over one another, smashing through vendor's stalls, jumping on civilians, stabbing guards who are rushing to pick up their weapons. Waves upon waves of the dead come streaming through the gates and begin climbing over the walls. Some of these deads are wearing the armor of the Drasgard army, while many or more of them, they're just dressed in regular human civilian clothing. And you swear at one moment, you actually even seen the gold crown and red robes amongst their dead, the very finery their king would wear. And suddenly Dorum stands before you. She waves her hand once more, and Malden and Galden, they go, both go flying off into the crowd. She stands above you and puts her hand over the rope for the guillotine. She won't get far, Borodon. Thank you, sister. And she pulls the rope, and you feel this sharp, sudden pain, and then nothing, as your vision goes spinning and finally settles on watching the dead swarm upon the soldiers defending your family. Your vision slowly fades to black, and you feel the sensation of your falling. And that's the end. Oh, poor Odom. If only your family could hear your words and they were not swallowed by that devious spell. Perhaps things would have been different. Ah, well. I hope you all enjoyed today's tale. The tale of Borodon the Dwarven Cleric. Please join me in two weeks' time, and I shall spin you the tale of Kalsar, the tiefling paladin of the Order of the Silver Shield. If you wish to find more of my thoughts streaming upon the nether sphere known as Twitter, you can find me at Ballad. Seven dice. That's ballad, the number seven, and dice. Well, travelers, I bid you adieu.